This podcast is brought to you by JBL. Employing the best methods and tools, audio technology is at the core of everything JBL creates. Never straying from a ground-up approach to everything they build, JBL has produced a prolific list of audio achievements, groundbreaking technologies, and revolutionary advances in the art and science of professional audio. JBL, passion for sound and those who create it. Learn more at JBL.com. Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Enjoy. Hello. Hey man, what's happening? It's Jeff. Hey Jeff, how you doing? What's going on over there? Oh, you know, just um, maintaining over here. I'm in uh, Atlanta at the moment. Um staying with um my parents my partner and our puppy and i um just piled in the car about two weeks ago and drove 17 hours from new york um to get down here and it's been it's been really nice uh to be able to see family and and get a change of scenery for a bit Welcome to Discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield. And this week, we have Rafiq Bhatia discussing Bill Fursell's 2001 release with Dave Holland and Elvin Jones. Thanks for, for the time today, and uh, let's let's talk about Bill Fursell. Oh, so much to discuss. There, there is. Um, you... Um, you you wanted to talk about this record that Bill did called with Dave Holland and Elvin Jones. It's from 2001 and you know, Bill has so many amazing records. So, you know, why, why this one in particular? You know, I've always wondered how much the fact that this was the first one that I heard has to do with how much I love it. Um, but I've, I've heard many of them and fallen in love madly in love with many of them um but this one continues to just resonate with me in a different way and it no matter how long um you know whatever the the amount of intervening time is in between listens it always floors me when I go back to it and I think it kind of changed my life in a lot of ways when I heard it for the first time like it it certainly changed the way that I thought about um making music and the role of my instrument the guitar in um the context of a a recording and also in the context of an improvising band um all of which were things that were pretty centrally on my mind at the time that I heard it um so yeah, I mean, I I wanted to talk about it because I think it's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bill Frizzell, I, and I had the same thing. I mean, the first record, the first time that I really heard Bill Frizzell was on Bass Desires. And, you know, that record really changed the way that I heard music too, especially in the, in the, like you said, in the, in the context of an improvised setting and a, you know, a quote jazz setting, it really spoke to me in terms of like the things that I loved, the feelings that I got from, 
uh, certain Miles Davis records and the moodiness and the darkness and you know, although he was a virtuosic player in many ways, Bill just has a tone that is so dark and melancholy and to me it's so expressive and, and so human. Um mm-hmm. and he just has the ability to set you into a place with his playing. That's all undeniable. <laughs> do you do you have favorite tracks on this record that really speak to you? Oh yeah. No, I mean I I think um there are so many I again is like maybe my single favorite recording featuring a guitarist ever. of music it like stops time for me um there's there's so many things i have so many questions about that and i've tried to ask bill on various occasions some of these questions but it's you know i'm not sure he even would have answers but it's like i don't actually understand how that song came together in the moment or afterwards um because both things are going on you know there are aspects of the improvised elements of it that are just like it's impossible for me to tell where certain musical information is originating because everybody's simpatico is so intense um the drumming and the like breathiness of the sound of the drums is just unbelievable and in a class of its own i've never heard anybody quite sound like that on a recording before or since um and you know obviously like the way that you know Frizzell was able to kind of take the the material from the ensembles playing and expand upon it in post um you know like that to me is is kind of a um it it opened my mind to the fact that that was 
impossible to do in a way that was so deeply integrated that you couldn't tell where the line was um and so nuanced and subtle um and yeah so that that one for me is really the biggest one me every time i hear it outlaws uh strange meeting yeah i mean there's there are a ton of them um and i actually i played big years festival a couple years ago um back when people could gather in spaces to hear concerts and um bill was was there doing a bunch of things and one of the the concerts he did was um playing with his trio um along with films by bill morrison um and there's a Bill Morrison film that features a bunch of these songs and it's like all my favorite ones. And I, I talked to Bill Morrison about it afterwards cause we were on the same flight out and, um, yeah, but like it, it was just, you know, around the same time that this record came out, they ended up using a bunch of it. And, um, but he played all of these songs and he played again and it like melted my, my brain and, uh, my soul and, so yeah, I you know, I, I think like it just somehow never gets old for me. I don't know. I did a session with Bill, I don't know, it's probably been, you know, eight, 18 months now or something like that, but um maybe even a little bit longer, but um and I was asking him about the loopers that he used on on those early bass desires records but so i texted i texted him this morning and he texted me back and i was like what what were you using on this record um what did he say um it said oh wow i'm i'm pretty sure that by that time the electro harmonic 16 second delay had completely bitten the bitten the dust I'm not sure what he was using because I think he pushed the says he pushed the wrong button. He think he was using a doo doo, but he said, "Whoops, pushed the wrong button." <laughs> so maybe he was using like a Digitech looper or. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. The first time I heard him live was like a couple years after this came out, I think, um, and he he was using a Digitech Jam Man, I think, and just doing like the craziest things with it, um, like just all sorts of stuff that it was definitely not meant to do. Um, it was, it was so great. Um, but I, yeah, I actually like, I was looking for it before this call. There used to be this article that I could find easily with a Google search that I think has like since disappeared into the ether of the internet. But, um, it was like all about the experience of making this record and how it went down and everything. And I, I couldn't, get my hands on it unfortunately um but i remember he was using this gibson es446 guitar which um coincidentally the there was a teacher that i took some lessons from in in north carolina uh where i grew up who had one of those and that guitar just has like a really 
awesome and particular sound too and it's it's cool to hear that um you know when i when i hear that back i have like a, a special nostalgia for that sound yeah well he did write back again he said the digitech eight second delay and he says uh-huh. like he said i can't remember if i had a line six yet the digitech replaced the 16 second then i added a line six at some point used both for a while eventually it was just the line six and that's the way it's been now for a while i uh, hope this helps that's as close as i can remember <laughs> and please say hi to rafiq so <laughs> oh man uh, the master. Speaks. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I I thought also like Bill and I talked about this when we chatted about you know his his playing with Ron Carter and and you know how he had heard, first heard him on that um, West Montgomery record and mm-hmm. you know how fortunate he is to you know get to play with with people that he grew up listening to and i mean he's <laughs> yeah. certainly passed that down to to many of us and and just he's yeah. such a you know he's such an open uh, great guy and and so yeah, giving totally. giving not only with his music but just with his time and, and it's just sort of his the the spirit of of uh humanity i i just uh very much so yeah, yeah so i think it must be i and i you know, when you get into the room with somebody like Elvin Jones and your and your Bill, I mean, sure, you you may be ultimately peers musically, but it's got to be slightly terrifying. I mean, it's oh like, yeah, can you no. imagine? I mean, you know, you think no about doubt. the music that yeah. that uh, Elvin Jones has put the stamp on those records that have yeah. been so uh, meaningful to so many of us. You know, absolutely. Um, no, I, I can only imagine. Um, but then also weirdly, (laughs) I, um, one of my main mentors in music and in life, uh, has been the drummer, Billy Hart, um, who actually, you know, Coltrane apparently asked Billy to join the band six months before he passed away. Um, so it was after Elvin and Rashida Lee and, um, Billy, declined at the time because he didn't feel like he was spiritually ready you know like he'd been going to see this music every night and it was just too overwhelming for him and um he he said no and um you know thinking that if he just hung in there that he'd be able to to prepare and then one day feel ready to do it um you know nobody knew that Coltrane wouldn't be around um a few months after that so I mean I I think you know and this was a late record for Elvin Jones and I I can only imagine like that just taking you know there's there's something that comes from just like putting yourself in the situation even if you don't feel ready or worthy which honestly if we're being really honest that's how I feel in almost every situation I'm in um you know and and I think that I can I can respect um you know that that simultaneous feeling of um completely being in awe and feeling a sense of reverence and also being committed to like taking that opportunity to to be in the music with that person and and make the most of it and i 
am so grateful that that happened because now I have one of my favorite records ever to listen to. I think everything that you've done leading up to that point in preparation prepares you for the moment to be on um, high alert. And you're, you know, I mean, think about how, how, you know, if you're in that situation, how, how much more tuned in and your ears are on, you know, I mean, you are, you are like, you are engaged as you can be because you don't want to let, Absolutely. you want, you don't want to let it down, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, I think some of the best music, ever has come out of that when you think about you know people that played in miles band or you played in coltrane's band and stuff i mean they knew 
they they knew the they knew the situation so you know being the band leader is almost a a, a reverse of that and you know i have to say you know dave holland too is um you know his contributions on this record and every record that he ever played on (laughs) were so incredible and and again hard to separate the voice of their instruments and the tone of their instruments um for all for elvin dave and bill it's just such an incredible marriage because you know you play upright bass but i always know when it's dave holland there's no question and (laughs) i'm sorry i'm just laughing because i'm remembering this story that billy told me about you know being on tour with dave early on and it was like at a time that he you know, I, I think he'd been playing a bass that was not really like up to the level of the way that he was playing it. And so he like finally got a really nice bass at some point. And it was the first tour that he had taken it on. One of the first gigs, like they were waiting for the train and apparently the train showed up and like created this like air vacuum in the tunnel and the bass just flew like right off the platform in front of the train (laughs) so like thinking about this man's sound i mean you know like it's just you when you play that instrument you can't count on anything you know it's like especially now with the way that travel works and stuff like that like it's it's similar to like playing the piano or something you just show up and you got to find your your uh relationship to the thing really quickly and and be able to pull the sound that you imagine in your head out of the physical interface you know there's no pedal board to hide behind or any of this sort of stuff that a lot of guitar players sort of get very comfortable with and um that's always been really inspiring to me like just actually having to deal with the thing itself and and wrangle um your own voice out of whatever the the interfaces yeah i totally agree and and um i i think it just speaks to it's a good reminder i should say that you know as much as gear is fetishized and and you know revered and and you know people talk about amps and pedals and da 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 and and uh you know recording equipment and whatever it be you know this compressor this microphone it's like at the end of the day you know you put and I've sat in the room with somebody like Bill and he plays an acoustic guitar and it sounds like Bill Frizzell. There's just, it's, there's yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, and, and I think that like you could buy all the stuff you want and you're never going to sound like someone else that, you know, and so I, I, what you're hearing is not the, the result of, of equipment. What you're hearing is the, the voice of the person and, and, um, you're not going to buy a pedal that makes you sound like Bill. Um, that's his body and his hands, you know? So. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I, I was thinking as you were saying that about this, um, I was remembering, uh, a trip that I took to mass mocha, um, some years ago when I was playing there and, um, I got to see a bunch of James Terrell's work, the, the artist that works with light and um there were a couple early works of his like from near the beginning that um 
you know, like when I saw the second one, when I walked into the room where the second one was, I thought I'd already seen it. But then I realized that something about it was slightly different, you know. Um, both of them appear to be like something like a cube of light in a corner, um, you know, like a, a kind of three-dimensional uh, kind of cube object. And the first one, if you walk close to it, is the result of a, a really precisely placed projection of, a, a you know, like it's, there's something, I guess the projector is on the opposite wall and they, he managed to find a way to light the corner in such a way that your perception makes you think that it's an object that's three-dimensional. Um, and the second work was made by a totally different technique. It was like a cavity, you know, that opened up in the corner and behind that cavity, there was an enlarged space, um, that was illuminated. So it was actually like, you know, it was lit up, but it was, um, concave rather than con convex, you know, like it was like inward rather than outward. And so, you know, in both instances, he's playing on the way that we see things to present something, um, you know, but through different, dramatically different techniques manages to achieve a result that's almost identical you know, like so much so that I, I thought that I'd already seen it when I saw the second one, you know? Um, and, and that's really like the lesson in that is that, you know, all of the stuff can, it can help inspire you. It can help you, uh, develop a means to an end, but ultimately like there's a significant role for the, um, you know, the imagination in directing all of that. And, um, you know, the, t the tools and the techniques are all avenues to help us get there. Thanks for listening. Discussion is created by Tape Op, the creative music recording magazine. Free subscriptions are available at tapeop.com along with our regular podcast and online content.